Welcome to the Hunting for Purpose podcast, the official podcast home for all human design manifestors. I'm your host, Holly Marie, a 4-6 clinic manifester, a certified human design teacher, and a manifester who is following her own creative urge to facilitate a thriving global community of aligned, powerful manifestors. Wherever you are at in your manifester journey, or even if you are here just because you love a manifester and you want to understand them a little bit more, this podcast is the place for you. Stick around for in-depth teaching, for real-life practical tips and understandings of the manifester journey, and how to become aligned and powerful and thriving as a manifester. You are here for global impact. You are here to change the world. The time is now. The journey is yours. This podcast is your home. Welcome to another episode of the Hunting for Purpose podcast. I'm Taylor and I am here to bring you a solo episode. So the last couple of weeks, um, or at least on my days, let's, let's keep it real, I have been interviewing a lot of the co-facilitators and facilitators of the Manifestor Mastery Certification, and I've loved it. Like, I hope that you've gotten, you know, a glimpse into what it's like to be a Manifestor and all the different ways that we can show up, all the different energies we could show up in. I think that's so important when it comes to self um, actualization and just self-cultivation, taking care of yourself, exploring your potential and, and growing and changing and transformation is that we don't idolize one expression of growth. And so I hope that by the conversations that I've delivered thus far, that you're continuing to see different ways that it can look like to, to honor your authority, to follow your hunches, to, to just navigate what it means to be a manifester of your design today. Now, two things. You're going to have to pardon the frog in my throat. We are on a struggle, and uh, that doesn't mean we don't have anything to say here. We have lots to say. We're just going to do it with a little rasp today. Okay, I'm going to get right into it. I am really, really, really consumed lately with the discussion of offers and human design, and this episode is particularly appropriate because it's going to release, I believe, right around the time of the Manifestor Mastery Certification. I'm not 100% sure if the cart will still be open, but I know as a community, we are hearing about it at least around this at the time of this recording. And it's an offer. And when we mix the conversation of offers and human design, I think it's really important to kind of expose um, or to maybe not even expose, but to offer kind of a contrasting perspective to the conversation of business. And here's why. I know that as manifestors, for many of us, entrepreneurship is is the way to go. It's the preferred route. If we knew that we could make money and, and live the life that we feel um, compelled by, supported to, at home in, 
for most of us, or I won't even say that, for many of us, that includes at least some element of entrepreneurship. And by that, I mean, while technically a side gig every now and again doesn't technically fit our traditional or our advertised definition of entrepreneurship, for the purposes of this episode, I consider your ability to monetize your skill and to promote it and to manage the exchange of that as elements of entrepreneurship. Now, you may not go to your local government and file reports and label that as a quote-unquote business, but for the purposes of offers and the purposes of this episode, I just want you to, I want to be generous with the definition of entrepreneurship. Or maybe in the words of Holly, I love what she says, that's such an expansive way of saying it. So here's my expansive definition of entrepreneurship. If you have skills that you do not exclusively depend on another entity or person to promote and to manage the transaction or exchange of value, you get to borrow the title entrepreneur for today. (laughs) Okay. With that in mind, in the context of the Manifesto Mastery Certification, one of the things I want to touch on is how I am building momentum in my own business or as an entrepreneur for myself. Over the last four years or so, I have had my kind of overarching brand called Truth and Taylor, and it started as really specifically about coaching on relationships, particularly of the Christian variety or the Christian paradigm. And while I still would profess a faith, I would say that my my perspective is far more expansive, far more um, evolved than it was when I started that particular company. But here's Here's really the crux of this because this is not a business. This is not. Uh, this is not an episode all about my business or my life. Um, what I would offer to you is that when I first started, I thought business was about making money, and I I think that that's a fair way to think about it because many people will evaluate your business based on how much money it makes. And then they tell you if it's not making money, then it is not a business. And I'm not here to argue with that. That is a conversation in a different context. Here's what I will offer you. And keep in mind, I've got three right variables. So I, I like to I like to have some gray in this conversation that oftentimes is lacking in the business strategy offer creation space. And here's what I'll offer you. Business is about building momentum, and one of the metrics of that is money. When I when this hit me, my business and life changed. And when I say hit me, I mean like within the last year, I have been struggling, or I had been, let me rephrase that. About a year ago, I felt like 
I'm not sure how it is that I'm so good at coaching on relationships and I'm really good at helping, you know, coaches and, and my clients, you know, entrepreneurs develop their strategy for how they're going to connect with their clients and how they're going to really resonate with their audience. And we call that like brand strategy. How are you going to make an experience, an emotive experience out of whatever it is that you feel passionate about? And I'm, I'm pretty good at that. But anytime I would tell somebody, oh, I, I help with brand, or I'm a brand coach, or I'm a brand strategist, they would assume I do design. And by design, I mean like graphic design, like logos and color palettes. And while I am highly opinionated about what creates the energy around what what visual aspect kind of evokes the energy, I am not a graphic designer and I don't have like two flying flips of desire to be one. Okay, that that might be a lot. As a hobby, maybe I'd do it, but you're not going to pay me to click and color. It's just not my skill. But here's what I realized about a year ago. I realized a year ago that the fastest way to create a, a brand that people cared about, the fastest way for the entrepreneur that I was working with to really connect and have much more effective messaging and much more um, precise descriptions of the results that they can create was when they tapped into something that we were passionate about. And out of that came my offer, which I called Offer Obsession, because I really wanted to capture that the point of the offer, the point of the sell is the experience that the person gets to invest in that they believe will will produce a result that they could not otherwise get on their own. Super practical example. When you go to a restaurant, you are not just investing in food. You're not even just investing in a cooked meal. If you go to McDonald's, there's a certain experience that you're invested in. If you go to, you know, uh, some other Noma, <laughs> you're, you're investing in some experience, not just the fact that somebody knew how to heat up chicken. When we reduce something like business down to solely, when we measure the, the efficacy of business solely by money, it is like saying, all I was looking for was cooked food. Here's the kicker. You can't be in a restaurant and not have some encounter with food. But the nature of that experience is what differentiates business from business from business. The nature of the experience that's created around the food is what makes some people love a restaurant, some people hate it. It makes some pass health inspection and some not. It, it, there's so many things that are evaluated with the assumption that we're working with food. And that's just taking restaurants as an example. And so in that same metaphor, what I would offer to you is that in business, we can, ex we can assume money. We can assume that there should be an exchange of money. Now, some of you are like, well, what if it's not making money yet? Well, then that would be like a restaurant who hasn't ordered food to work with yet, and therefore 
We need to order some food so that you have something to cook, so that you have something to work with. You might need an offer. That might be why you don't have money to work with. You know, like we solve for that because the assumption is that when working in business, when working in the marketplace, the exchange of value, that metric, one of them is money. And it's a given. It's an assumed metric. Um, that is important because if the end goal of business is money, then it makes it, it can make it very hard for some of us to figure out where we fit in, particularly when we don't feel skilled around money, when we haven't had a lot of history with money, when our relationship with money is still working out its kinks, you know, when it's still a little early. When you think about business, the objective of business being momentum and the metric is money, what it does is shifts gears. It's like it shifts your seat in the conversation. And then the question becomes, what is going to either build momentum or maintain momentum? And you will find that it really ultimately affects your bottom line. So it's not a one-for-one. One. You could decide to stop momentum in one direction, and it will increase your revenue. You can increase momentum in a direction, and it will decrease your revenue. It is not a given that just because you increase momentum, you will also increase your money. There is a, there is a relationship there, and a lot of that, that intersection happens at the offer level. Right? So, that is why I'm obsessed with offers. That's where I come in. But I wanted to, I needed to lay that groundwork. And here's what I want you to um, leave this episode with. There were three shifts that I made, particularly and especially in the last year. But when I look back, I've been, I've been kind of slightly pivoting over the course of my business experience. And because they have been, some of these shifts have been unconscious. Um, I have not always had a, what society would deem a profitable and successful business. But I already told you on this episode, we take very expansive de- definitions of entrepreneurship. And so I was killing it the whole time, except when I wasn't. Okay, shift number one that helped me build momentum because I'm still in the early stages of business in terms of owning my own business. This is not... Uh, that's actually a very good distinction before I go into these three shifts that I think is important. Lack of experience in business ownership is not the equivalent of inexperience in the skill that you will sell in the business. So you could have been an artist for your entire life and then you only have offered or launched a you know, product shop or whatever, in the last six months. You are a six-month-old business owner, but you could be a 30-year artist, right? So make sure that you're not marrying those two unnecessarily because when you do, it can it can erode confidence, and you, you're going to need some confidence if you're going to build some momentum. Okay. And I'm going to land this plane when I get there. Okay. 
So shift number one I made to start building momentum, specifically and with intention in the last year. Um, but again, it's a life's work. Number one, I changed my relationship with time. Things do not take time. Time does not heal all wounds. Older is not better. More time does not equal a better result. Newer is not invalid. Newer is not untrustworthy. Time is a metric. It is a metric. And just like we would say one inch, lots of things happen when we measure if we and if we were to measure them by time, we would come away with how long it took. That does not mean that a result demands time. It means that in society as a collective today, we use time to measure things as a metric in our measurements. And that's there's no shade on that. That's a great thing. But when you attach or when I have attached time as a requirement to a result, it slowed my results, especially as an emotional authority. One of the first things we do when we find out that we have emotional authority is we watch our ways. And one of the ways that that is often taught is there's no wisdom in the now. I don't know about you, but when I heard that, I made that mean things needed to take forever, days, weeks, months, for me to wait through my ways. No wisdom in the now does not mean no wisdom in five minutes. You're waiting for clarity. And it's something to accept that the metric of time is something that can help you wait for clarity. It is not that clarity takes time. Clarity happens instantaneously. At, it's like, think about this. When I think about emotional waves, I think I picture a beach because I'm a shores environment. So I picture a beach and I picture kind of like a storm or I don't know what comes out of the beaches, like hurricanes or whatever. Okay, so hurricane comes out, and then in an instant, there is like a second where it stops, where the chaos stops. At that moment, clarity has been real, has been experienced, although clarity may not be realized. I think one of the time, one of the reasons that you, the, the space between clarity having arrived and clarity being realized is an attachment to the metric of time. It should take time and therefore I don't, I'm not even available for how little time it could take. I'm always assuming it will take more. So that is one thing that has changed the trajectory. Okay, we're talking about momentum, I got new words. Has increased the momentum in my experience. Is is questioning my perception of time, my relationship with time. And here, let me let me also say this. 
When I say relationship to you, what I, what I mean by that word is relationship as my thoughts about time. Our relationships are defined are, and or are experienced by our, our belief systems, our judgments, the, the, the collection of thoughts and feelings and emotive, like that is what you experience as a relationship with another person or entity or concept. So my previous relationship with time assumed that time, ironically, slowed me down. Things took too long. I had no control. Time happened to me. I had a in my opinion, an appropriate relationship with time because time is a neutral metric and I was acting like it was a villain. It was, it was something that I had to just deal with, right? So if that's you and you're a manifester, especially the manifestors, it's so important that you consider your relationship with time because I can guarantee it's affecting your money. If you are splenic or um, in your decision making, one of the things that you may want to look at is what is your relationship with time? Because your awareness is in the moment. Your awareness is in the moment. So what are you arguing with? What clarity are you unwilling to, to see because it came too quickly? And emotional authority, you know, what are you, what clarity are you holding off? Because you assume in order to follow your authority, it must take a long time. So each one of the, each person can look at their relationship with their authority and in particular how, where time also shows up in their chart, right? But that was one shift. The second shift I made is I changed my expectation of support. Now, there is a post really recently on the Manifestor community Instagram that talks about manifestor's need for people. This was huge. This was huge. What Holly shared is that manifestors don't need people. And I'm like, what? We all need people. No one should be alone. Initially, when I first started this journey. But then if you keep reading, if you keep opening, what you continue to hear is that manifestors have what we need to move forward. But we may want people in our life. We may value and desire them. Now here's the kicker for me. I've had a lot of people that I thought I wanted around me, but I did not account for the cost that it would be to have them around me. So I've invited people to partner with me in my business, and that has been great. I expected a lot of benefits. I saw so many benefits of us working together. What I did not account for was what it would cost me to maintain that level of support. And what I found is that my expectations were a little skewed. I was expecting to have all the benefits of the relationship without all, any expenses. One of the major expenses to wanting people in your life, particularly in the area of business and getting an offer out, promoting or, you know, delivering a service, is that there will be a need to continually sell them on your desire for their presence in that particular role. 
And here's what I mean by that. Because we as manifestors don't always quote unquote need people, I'm quoting right now, one of the things that I've noticed that happens is that when we are inconvenienced by inefficiency in other people, the, the habit is, well, I could do that myself. Well, if you're a manifester, that shouldn't feel like an argument for why they're not, like that doesn't build your case that they're wrong. When you know that you're a manifester and you've embraced your design, what that does is, of course, you, here's the response to that thinking, that train of thought. I could do it by myself. It would be easier by myself. Pause. Argue back with your own brain and say, well, you're right. We could do this on our own, except we don't want to. And here's where we show this person or this entity that we desire them. I call it selling. It's not, it doesn't have to be. It could be just kung fu on your own jacked up thinking where you state the obvious and think that was like making a point. It's not making a point to say you could do it by yourself. Of course you could do it by yourself, but you don't want to. And because you don't want to, one of the expenses Part of the cost of having people partner with you is they need to continually inform them of where you stand with them. And by informing, obviously verbally, affirming what they bring and how that supports you and how that benefits you, but also in the way that you relate to them. Does the way that you communicate with them, not what you say, but the way that you do it, communicate a value and a desire for their presence. Maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. But let me tell you this. When I changed my relationship or my expectation of support, meaning I stopped expecting my support to function without my desire, my continued investment of desire, uh, momentum. Okay. This was really hard because I didn't think that I should have to sell anybody. I had wounding, my wounding, my unconscious margins at 51. And so for me, there's always a concern that I am imposing, that I'm forcing people to do something that they really don't want to do. And so I made, quote, unquote, selling them mean that I was trying to convince somebody to do something against their will. It never occurred to me until I wanted momentum that the investment is like gas in a car that they really want to drive. It's like it's like sitting shotgun with them so that they can drive. It's not that they don't want to drive. It's that they don't know where we're going and they don't have the resources to fuel the vehicle I built. So I've got to sell them. No, you sit in the front seat. You drive right here. Or maybe maybe you see that differently. Maybe you're in the driver's seat and you're like, no, I just need I need you to ride with me. Whatever, however you see that, it, it doesn't really matter, but for the purposes of this analogy, I want you to know the investment, the constant reminder, the constant selling is the fuel that they will need to stay engaged in your work. Okay. The last shift I made to build momentum, particularly over the last year, has been to change my objective. Now, Holly did an episode about this, and I think everyone should go listen, and then you should, after you listen to Holly's episode about her business, 
it's like recent about the changes she's making in the business and why we are now a manifestor community instead of um, instead of what it would originally was all centered around her personal brand. Listen to that episode and then go to the Spacious app with Vanessa Henry. Um, has an episode in there for manifestors about how to build a generator or in the jazz in an air quotes machine. Okay, you need both of those episodes, but I'm going to summarize the point that I want to share some experience about. Here's the point. The third shift I made to build momentum in my own life and business, because they're not separate, and to honestly build better offers that sell better, is I changed my objective. Sales are a metric. Impact is a metric. Outcomes are a metric. I'm building a machine, though. Sales are a, a setting on my machine. Outcomes are a metric that we measure if our machine is functioning properly. Impact is a metric to know if we've calibrated our machine correctly. Here's an example of an impact metric. In my business, I am resolute that my outcomes for black women in business, in particular, must exceed, at least meet or exceed, that of the other participants. I am not, my offers are not exclusively for black women, but that measurement I am watching that metric. How are black women in particular doing when it comes to offer creation, marketing, messaging? I want everybody to succeed. I want everybody to, exceed, uh, to achieve their goals, whatever they are. But if black women, if we do it for everybody and black women don't win, I, my machine is not calibrated appropriately. What? I'm not going into why all of that matters to me. I mean, obviously, I'm a black woman, but, well, maybe not obviously. Let me not say that. I am a black woman, so there is a personal bias here, um, but there's also statistical analysis that supports why that's a very important metric in businesses today. Okay, so I used to think that was the point. And when you make, let's say, this, the success rates in your program or your offer based on black women, then you niche down or you niche to black women. I don't feel called to niche to black women. But I do feel compelled to make sure that their results meet or exceed that of any other student in my container. And that's important, particularly when we come to offers, particularly for people who have a, a desire for global impact. When you, when you make the impact the, the, the objective, it can skew the quality of the product. You start, how can I say this? You start doing things that get you the result, but they don't they don't do it in a way that serves the people that you really, the, the, you don't do it in a way that really serves. Here, here, let me give you a practical example of this that I've witnessed. I, at one point in time, my husband and I served as missionaries in 
the Dominican Republic. We spent over a year there renting a guest house. And one of the things that we would witness is American teams bringing a certain skill set within medicine to the like very far into the country regions of um, the Dominican Republic. And we're talking like border of Haiti areas, very like poverty, et cetera. And they're bringing very skilled physicians um, and skilled surgical teams to this area. And it was our responsibility to facilitate that team's experience so that they could offer care and, and access to care that wouldn't ordinarily be available. Well, these are a bunch of people who I choose to believe have who have great intention or great hearts, um, but sometimes their application was skewed. And that reason I suspect this happens is because their objective was impact. So I remember one time they got, it was around Thanksgiving time, and they got on, um, they went to the local market or whatever and bought a bunch of turkeys, like Thanksgiving turkeys, and behind our guest house was an area of um, people who who essentially were what we would call in the U.S. squatters. It, it's not a one-for-one, one, but essentially they are living on the land and they are establishing shelter and in any by any means necessary. Let's put it like that. And their way of creating impact was to drive through the sh streets of this area and distribute Thanksgiving turkeys to everyone. Now, the typical way of living in this particular area was pretty much a diet of rice and beans. And so when their objective was dropping off huge turkeys that would need significant space to be cooked and significant time and would need to be like roasted like we would do, the impact, their desired impact, they were impactful, but they kind of missed it. <laughs> because while it's great that these people that this this group of people now have food on some level, or they do have food, the the application of it was ill-informed. I say that to you because the context for this is uh, their guides or their leadership was literally in the building as they were going out. So these are people who had been there many like time after time after time. And I mean, here, here's what I want. Here's why all of this matters. When you are thinking, when when you love a population of people or a demographic of people, or when you are fixated on serving, sometimes it can blind the the it can blind your ability to really evaluate if your efforts are um, effective in the best way. So, while I don't have any objections to things like scholarships handouts. I mean, I gave of my life. Like my, We sold everything and went. So I, I, I get it. But particularly in, in that particular context, that was an inappropriate way to go about achieving impact. And I think that's because really there was a short-term impact goal without a long-term perspective, a, a higher perspective. 
In the same way, when we zoom out in your business and we say the objective is momentum, what allows us to keep moving? And one of the metrics that we know that we're moving forward is, is the impact that we create, whether that's to reduce our impact, such as in recycling or, you know, our farming efforts or whatever, or whether it's to increase our impact. Are there un, untapped people groups who need the service or skill that you provide? Whatever that is, when held in context of momentum and, and intention with money, in the case of business, um, what you get is a much more uh, informed strategy. You get a much more expansive approach to building your business or building, building whatever, um, achieving whatever mission you set out on. So I know I slowed down there because I, it's very important to me to not uh, mischaracterize the intentions of people to the extent that I know them. Um, I'm very careful with people and identity. That matters to me. And so I, I just appreciate if you've continued listening through this because I know that kind of my speed slowed down and I kind of had to watch my words a little bit more. But it's because I'm very careful. I really want to be precise between their actions and who they are. These are great people. Most people are great people. And sometimes the actions are less great. Okay. So those were the three things that I did, though. That shift that I shifted in order to build greater momentum in my life. That that includes as a wife, as a mother, and in my business especially. Um, the offers that I put out, the events that I do, the time that I spend, the way that I invest my money. I changed my relationship with time. I changed my expectation of support, and I changed my objective. And I would invite you to do the same. As manifestors, this is wholly important. This is wholly important. Taking breaks does not erode momentum. Time does not erode momentum. Leveraging the metric of time does not erode momentum. Adding people to your business does not necessarily increase momentum. It can, but that's when you are, the objective is momentum. So think about that as you, as you add partners or take away partners. Think about that as you plan out your time, whether you take breaks or whether you don't, or how you manage your, your urges and, and how you make money in that way. And, and just really consider, like, what, what is your overall objective in your business? And maybe a more expansive view about the, the point of business is to develop momentum in a direction. And we measure by that. One of the metrics we can use is money. Okay. The last thing I want to say is, because I, I, I believe when this recording releases, you will have some time to invest in the Manifestor Mastery Certification. What I would say to you about that is in order for me to get to the place where I could evaluate myself and even be available for a new perspective, to even have capacity to look at these areas of my life, is because I, I started working with how I am made. I stopped working against it. And I wasn't working against it intentionally. I just didn't, there were just things about how I was made that I didn't know. And so when I learned them, it allowed me to continue to kind of calibrate the way that I think about things and the way that I approach things in service and in alignment with how I'm made. As a manifester, we can learn about the system of human design from anyone. 
There are tons of teachers who teach the system of human design or teach the system of business or teach the system of health and, and PHS or whatever and gene keys. But if you want to know how that relates to how you're made, how that impacts how you're made, you'll need a, you'll need a certification or a program that is tailored to how you're made. Aura is about the functioning of your energy. How does your energy function? And then when we, when we label that, what we get is manifester or reflector or projector. How, one big kind of overarching viewpoint of how you are made is the term manifester. So having a program or certification that specializes in the way you're made to function is a game changer. And let my body of work, let my testimonials and uh, be a testament to that. So if you have any questions, obviously, um, as always, you can reach out to me at hello Taylor V. I will put a link in the uh, comment section here. I'm sorry, in the show notes, because this is not a live. In the show notes, I'll put a link to the Manifest Your Mastery program. And then I'll also um, link the Spacious app, as well as the post that Holly shared that I think is worth reading about our relationship with support. All right, folks, that's what I have for you today. Thanks for listening. Bye, y'all. Thank you so much for spending a little bit of time with us today in another episode of the Hunting for Purpose podcast. We so enjoy having you here and whether you are listening to my insights or the wisdom of one of our other incredibly talented manifesto specialists, we really truly hope that you have taken away power, transformation and wisdom about your own manifesto magnificence. Before you go and switch off, we would be so humbly grateful if you could take the time to either leave a podcast review right on the platform that you're listening to, or if you feel like it, please do a share across your social media. We love to hear how each of the episodes is impacting you, and we love to provide an opportunity for you to inform us via social media. So please share a story or a post about this episode and tag us at The Manifesto Community. Until next time, please, Manifestors, keep hunting for purpose.